welcome to the first edition of VFL 23. Thanks to our friends at Smithies. My name's Chris Yendi Yend, and I've got the pleasure of being joined by the great man, the voice of VFL football, Brendan Jody Rhodes. Rhodes, you've uh, you've been a busy man, mate. Um, you must be so pumped about the upcoming season. Oh, no question about it. It's been a long time, hasn't it, since the since the third week of September when the Casey Demons had a terrific victory over Southport. It was their promise basically all year that they were going to be the, the best team and win the flag. Uh, Southport put up an amazing effort. Uh, no one no one raided the Neeful clubs basically heading into the AF, into, heading into the VFL at the start of 2021. Um, but what, what we saw very, very quickly is that the Neeful while the while the depth may have fallen away a little bit, the the quality at the top end of that competition was as good as any. And you only had to look at last year's VFL ladder: Southport two, Brisbane Lions three, Gold Coast four, Sydney five, mm. uh, and the and GWS was down in thirteenth. But uh, but yeah, so that that proved the strength of the Neeful. It proved the strength of Southport. Nine and one in the in the truncated first year, made the grand final in the second year. I think uh, people down here are starting to realise that uh, that footy is pretty good at north of the border. And and uh, yeah, in in twenty twenty three, I'm certain that we're going to see more of the same. There was a lot of um, conversation about whether it was a great idea in theory of the benefit of having the Neeful clubs be part of the VFL. And I think with what we saw last year, there was just the, the competition was only stronger for it. I, I wonder if in, heading into season 23, whether um, the standalone clubs in Melbourne and even the uh, the AFL, VFL clubs, whether they, they're going to have to do their homework a lot more on uh, on some of those teams north of the border. There's no question that they have to. Um, there, there's still that big that separation between the AFL reserves teams and the standalone teams. And like most of the AFL clubs are going to know about each other, so there's not really any surprises coming uh, down here from the from the Swans, the Giants, the Lions, or the Suns. They're going they're going to know most of what's going on, apart from the odd you know the top up players or the VFL listed players, as it as it were, that that can come in and star. Like uh, Riley Green had a really good year at Brisbane Lions last year, and. Um, Will Beller at Gold Coast, who's now been signed with Coburg. Um, the Swans, you know, Harry Morrison had a great year. Jake Bartholomeus. Uh, then there's then there's guys like Josh Green at um, at GWS, who is now playing for Port Melbourne. Interestingly enough, so those players have been seen, and now they're getting opportunities. And and you look and you look at the standalone clubs and. Um, the AFL clubs are working out working out how good they are too. Uh, Frankston finished seventeenth last year, and they've had three players picked up during the off season. How how amazing is that? <laughs> and Liam Reedy to the Fremantle Dockers. I claim Tyler Young as being from Frankston, yeah. uh, even though he played VFL for Richmond last year and and then got promoted onto the Richmond senior list. Uh, and of course, last week Brody McLaughlin getting taken by the Gold Coast Suns seeing off no less a player than Boyd Woodcock to get that opportunity. Uh, it, it surprised me that Boyd Woodcock didn't get an opportunity because he was an un, he had an unbelievable season last year, but I suppose the Suns decided they needed a, a marking target as opposed to a midfielder. Uh, 
I think some of the uh, the other benefits as well, uh, being a, a Queenslander, ex-Victorian, but one of the things I've appreciated up here, particularly in the off-season, what we saw the benefits of the VFL program last year, is we saw a number of um, Brisbane players in the VFL program get selected as a Category B, category B rookie list as part of the, uh, the, the Brisbane squad, including um, the, the young fella of, uh, of Darrell, the magician, White, um, and... Uh, and she, she, yeah, Daryl White Jr., McDowell White. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Shadow Brain, uh, a, a couple of those guys. A couple of the things that he did in that qualifying final against Southport, a couple of the goals he kicked, I think that's really what uh, what secured his spot because he, he was doing bits and pieces and showing signs. And again, in that game, it was still only bits and pieces and showing signs. But a couple of those highlights in front of a big audience, you know, in, a, in an all-Queensland qualifying final, uh, that really that really set him apart, and and like Shadow Brain is another one. I'm I'm actually mates with uh, with his older brother James, who's played a lot of fantastic football uh, down this way at a lower level. <laughs> what a name, Shadow Brain! Good on good on him for that. He he is going to be a cult figure with it with a name like that if he if he can make it. Um, yeah, and then then you go to same at Gold Coast with um, with uh, young Johnston from. Uh, was it Lloyd Lloyd Johnston coming out of the Darwin Academy and has been put on the on the category B rookie list, which you know that that's what those academies are for. That's and that the, the rookie lists are for, and they get an opportunity in in VFL even if it is only two, three, four games. The recruiters see something, they like it, and away they go. And I think because we're we're seeing a, a really expanded competition across the, uh, the 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 north or the eastern seaboard, eastern club, so to speak. Is that players are having more opportunities to to be on the same ground and compete against AFL listed players? Yeah, exactly right, and they only get better. You play against better opposition, you get better, um, and that and that works in any any type of sport at any level. You might get a you might get some nasty floggings. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that that's going to happen, uh, but you the only way you get better is to play better, and that and that's. I've, I've used that analogy more in cricket uh, with the with the associate nations and that coming through, uh, like like your Afghanistan's and your Netherlands and Scotland and those and those countries, they're only going to get better by playing against the better teams, and and that and that's what a lot of the standalone clubs like about playing against AFL teams, you know, twelve times out of out of eighteen games, is they're playing against. It's a bigger challenge, of course, that they're playing against teams and players that are in full-time programs, but uh, but it lifts their game to that level, and it certainly gives it certainly gives the AFL clubs a chance to look at these guys and say, "Hey, he can go and play AFL football. I'll pick him up and give him a chance." For Fergus Green getting a second chance from uh, from the Box Hill Hawks, uh, promoted onto the Hawthorne list after kicking. 50 goals. Um, he he had a go at Footscray at, at the Western Bulldogs a couple of years ago. Wasn't ready. Normally you'd think delisted, discarded all over. But he went back to VFL footy, proved himself all over again, and you know, he's away. And and I, I would think it, it's hard to believe that Jacob Dawson and Boyd Woodcock, for me, um, I think they're only 23 this year. Mm-hmm. And that that's easily forgotten because well, 
Um, I'm sure Dor- I'm sure Dorso will laugh when he when he hears me say this. He looks about thirty, um, <laughs> and he pl- and he plays he plays like it too. But but those two are two of the best three players in the competition for me mm-hmm. as non AFL listed players, uh, along with the you know the back to back list and medalist in Tom Gribble at Werribee. Um, if they go and back it up again, it'll be a third year in a row for Dawson of starring since he since he was let go by the Suns. It'll be a second year in a row of starring for Woodcock since he was let go by Port Adelaide. And I would be amazed if they repeat what they did last year, I would be amazed if they don't find themselves back on AFL lists in 2024 or even in the mid-season draft if they, if they start well enough. Well, this gives us a chance to uh, to launch into the first quarter of, uh, of VFL 23. We've sort of gone through um, reflection. What were some of your big highlights of, uh, of of 2022? Well, I suppose the number one uh, highlight is clearly the fact that we had a grand final mm, yeah, for, the, for the first time since 2019. Um, Richmond beat Williamstown in an absolute thriller down here. Um of course, the Brisbane Lions beat Southport, I think, quite comfortably in the 2019 Grand Final. They went undefeated. Yep, right. um, so they, 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 they were the two reigning premiers who held their title for three years. Uh, so to go to Grand Final Day, it was an ordinary day, um, which, didn't, which didn't really help. But they still got, still got a crowd that was more than most people were predicting mm-hmm. on, on a wet day. Uh, and the fact that there was only one game on. With the um, with the VFLW having moved to another date, uh, so that sort of that affected the crowd as well. Uh, but yeah, so going there on um, on Grand Final day, both in July when Essendon beat the Southern Sun in September, Casey Demons beat Southport, we had two healthy crowds. I think there was about eight thousand people at the VFLW Grand Final on on uh, on the first weekend in July, which is which was just amazing. Seeing like Essendon and St Kilda supporters and Sandringham, of course, as well, who are involved in the Southern Saints, um, come from everywhere because those three clubs have not seen a lot of success. So they so they jumped at that opportunity. Um, obviously, Southport coming from interstate didn't help them. Um, but there were still people who came down from Queensland that I know of for for that game, which was which was great to see. And I believe there was a big crowd in the in the Southport Sharks Club, watching it on the big screen as well. So um, it, w- it was great to see. And, and Casey Demons winning their first flag in 26 years, I think it was, uh, too, when they were back as the Springvale Scorpions in, in 1996. Um, so that that easily gets forgotten, uh, that, that Casey had a long drought uh, since, they, since they'd actually succeeded. So that, that was the biggest highlight for me. Uh, how about yours? Um, um, I think the highlight for me... Uh, would be the more teams outside the Victorian hub playing finals. I think that's just a testament to the uh, the strength of what's happening in football in the non-traditional AFL states. I think that's the the aim that the AFL really wants. It wants to see more success in in New South Wales uh, and, and Queensland, and and to an extent with what we've seen through the drafting process, uh, with what we're happening and seeing in Darwin as well. I think for me that is the ultimate success. Aside from obviously seeing a grand final, I think that's that's really important to the growth and development of this competition. 
and to, to get people to pay more attention, put more eyeballs onto what's happening in the northern states. Yeah, and I actually had that on my, on my list as well, uh, coupled in with seeing, what were we, I think around about 2,000 people at, uh, at Red Rooster Park when uh, Southport played Brisbane Lions in an, in an all-Queensland qualifying final. Uh, a bit, you know, a big crowd going out there, and and imagine that crowd if it happens again at Vancouver Reserve or mm. or or Springfield this year, which is going to be a highlight. Seeing uh, seeing the the new Springfield ground uh, come you know come into action. Obviously, they played the AFLW Grand Final there, but uh, when it when it really starts kicking into gear regularly this season, it, it's going to be great to see. And and uh, from what I'm told, having not been to Moreton Bay. A little bit easier to get to? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, it's a lot better place to watch football, I think. Although, saying that, at local level, um, Moreton Bay is one of my favourite grounds. Uh, Saturday afternoon, the, the first uh, game of football that I ever watched when I moved up here, I umpired the, uh, the under-18s in the morning. And then I pulled out the deck chair in the afternoon and sat back on the hill and watched the, uh, the seniors. So for me... It's a great place to watch football, but yep. if you for for a VFL standard, I think Springfield, in terms of easier access to get to, it's a big winner. Yeah, no, that, that's going to be good. I like last time I was up there out in that direction. They they hadn't started building, but they'd sort of broken the ground, and you could see the <laughs> the whole sort of whole sort of setup. It was a construction site, uh, but yeah, so I'm lo- looking forward to to that and. And certainly, and hopefully, this year getting an opportunity to to maybe come up and call a game or two in in Queensland if the if the fixture you know suits at some stage throughout the course of the year and, and checking out that new venue and Bankhouser Reserve, of course, as well and uh, Brighton Homes Arena, I believe it's been dubbed, mm-hmm. hasn't it, Springfield? Correct. Uh, Spring. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll go f- go from there and. Yeah, look forward to seeing how the Lions go uh, on their on their new venue. But um, as you said, Southport making the grand final uh, in their second year after being second in their first year was absolutely terrific. Um, Chris Burgess and Fergus Green, I've already touched on Fergus Green. They were the first VFL players to kick 50 goals in the season since 2013, would you believe? Mm, um, yeah. Obviously, Matt Matt Hamelman would have in 2021 if the season hadn't have been cut short. But yeah, nine years for someone to kick 50, and we had two. And Chris Burgess winning the uh, winning the Frosty Miller Medal with 61 goals, I think it was. So uh, we look forward to to more goals and higher scores, and and that that going on. Uh, the Northern Bull Ants mm-hmm. they they provided a huge highlight. They only won one game, but what a win! They beat Sydney in Sydney. <laughs> and, and the Swans went on to, of course, finish fourth on the ladder and uh, unfortunately go out in straight sets. But but for the Bull Ants to go to Sydney, go to Blacktown and beat the Swans in round four, that, that was an amazing highlight as well. So And, and of course, um, for VFLW supporters, you've got to touch on them as well. Seeing, seeing Essendon winning the premiership for the first time. It was a five-year plan. They, they built up to it. They got across the line. They were the, they're only the second team to win a flag undefeated uh, since Darabin in 2016 in the first year, although they did have two draws, of course. Uh, and, and, of course, Tom Gribble, who we've mentioned, and Georgia Nan Scorn winning 
back to back league medals in in each competition uh, are other big highlights for me along with uh, along with Darabin themselves who have really struggled for the last three years uh, they were five two halfway through the year before unfortunately falling away but it was great to see them as one of two standalone clubs in the VFLW up and about again. We won't touch too much on the lowlights because, let's be honest, there wasn't um, too many across both competitions last year. Also, the only lowlight that I can uh, I can think is the uh, the injury to uh, to the Essendon captain in the grand final on the verge of potentially yeah, you know, leading the, the leading the team out uh, in the debut season. I, I thought that was a, a bittersweet ending to the season in what she she played a, a big role in building that team up and, and taking to the AFLW. I just thought that that was as great as it was for her to be a premiership captain to not be able to run out the AFLW season because of going down with a serious knee injury. I thought it was a bit of a low light across the men's and women's competitions. Without a shadow of a doubt. And she's a, she's a, you know, a terrific person. She's very loyal too. She she did play a couple of AFLW games for North Melbourne a couple of years ago, uh, but as soon as she joined Essendon, she had that great year in 2021, won the Lambert Pierce Medal. AFLW clubs came calling again to mm-hmm. to give her another opportunity, and she knocked them all back. She said, "Essendon gave me this opportunity. I'm going to stick with Essendon, loyal to Essendon, and when they come into the AFLW." That's that's where I want to be. So so you're exactly right that she didn't get to experience that in season seven, um, and obviously because of it, we won't be seeing her in uh, in the VFLW this year. But hopefully we can see her run up run out in uh, in August in the first game of season eight, and and that would be that would be fantastic to see in the in the AFLW. Um, the only other, I suppose. You'd have to say uh, down, downside, low, low lights, if there's any, just very quickly. No no Melbourne standalone team being able to make the finals. I think that was for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly took longer to get over the COVID cancellations. That, that was the biggest thing. The AFL clubs being able to train right through that period when the VFL clubs couldn't. I think that, that's what I put it down to. And I expect them to be a lot more competitive this year, and we could realistically see uh, three of them make it into the top eight this year, being Werribee, Port Melbourne, and Williamstown. Uh, in in my in my honest opinion, which we'll talk about again closer to the start of the season. Um, the the Bull Ants being unable to win more than that one game, the Western Bulldogs in the VFLW being unable to win a game after playing in the grand final in 2019. Um, and of course, you're talking about injuries, the the horror head injury to Eli Templeton from Port Melbourne playing local footy. Uh, we don't know if we're going to see him again yet. There's been no real updates. Port Melbourne have just said that they're going to give him all the time that he needs to decide what to recover and decide what he wants to do. So um, we certainly have our fingers crossed that we haven't seen the last of Eli Templeton, who's a who's a terrific VFL footballer, over 100 games, you know, a grade of the a grade of the competition at the moment. Um, and I think you you haven't mentioned it, but you put on your list that you got to call Josh Kennedy's return to football. Yes, uh, which yep. was which was a highlight for you. Yeah, uh, definitely. A low light for me was actually, unfortunately, calling the end of his career. 
when he uh, when he did the hamstring again against uh, against North Melbourne in in round 21 as he was fighting to try and get back into the AFL team. So um, that was certainly heartbreaking to to see to see him hobble off that day and knowing that uh, that it was probably going to be it. So um, I certainly take my hat off to to what a wonderful career he he had and what a terrific player uh, he was for the Sydney Swans for a long time. And uh, yeah, certainly wish him well for the future. And of course, all the retiring players from last year. Well, I think the the biggest one for me on a personal note uh, was getting to the starting line in round two. Um, a lot of people know, some don't, that I had a that I had a very serious back injury and back operation during the off season last year, and there was no guarantee that I'd be able to even walk again in time for the start of the season. So. So to be able to get out there uh, at at AIA Centre Olympic Park in round two um, for Collingwood versus Geelong with uh, with Clutch TV um, that was a, that was big for me personally. Um, nothing nothing really outstanding in that in that particular game. I think Ollie Henry might have kicked three goals in the second quarter and won the game for won the game for Collingwood. But just getting back out there. Um, being able to being able to call go on after that went on to call seventy eight games of football across all different competitions and and leagues. So that that has to be a record. A bit of overkill, but that's that, that must be a record around the uh, the entire country. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone at any level across multiple levels that have been able to call nearly eighty games of footy in twenty twenty two. I'm sure there's I'm sure they'll be around. So <laughs> so I won't necessarily make the make the claim, but. <laughs> but just you just love going to the football. You just love going to the football, and and if you can call it when you're there, why not? Hey, yeah. Um, in, included in that was getting to call at the MCG, the SCG, and Cadinia Park. Um, all of which I've called. I've been lucky enough to call at before, but but to call at them all again, it's always a thrill to go to the AFL venues. Um, in individually, the individual moments. Um, ben Kavara amazing snap goal when Box Hill came from 20 points down to in time on of the last quarter to beat Werribee mm-hmm. in what was actually my 600th game. So, so that, was a, that was very much a, a, a memorable moment, not so much for Werribee supporters, but definitely for Benny Kavara and the Box Hill Hawks. Um, you can still see it on the top of my Twitter at B-Roads VFL, Joel Atavi skyscraping mark for Williamstown against the Northern Bull Ants. Uh, which was a which was a great a great moment as well, um, and then and then a few from Port Melbourne. Port Melbourne, um, I had they, them and Williamstown both beat Carlton, who went on to make the semi final. I got to call both of those. Um, Port holding Werribee goalless in the first half of a game. That was the first time that's happened to Werribee since 1966, which was only their second year in the competition, and then calling Werribee coming back from the dead and um, and only losing that game by three points, would you believe? <laughs> um, and, and the other one was, again, Port Melbourne, when Cody Zeus kicked three goals in the last quarter and uh, they came from 41 points down to beat Frankston and, and that was only 12 months after Frankston had beaten them by 16 goals. So, yeah, I suppose it's, it's pretty hard to go through to cut the number of highlights down when you've done so much footy. <laughs> I, I had a couple of uh, key highlights. I mean, for me to um, to just have a chance to call BFL football, 
um, was was something quite spectacular. Um, last year on a professional scale, uh, I you, know, you talk about 78 games of footy that you called. Um, I had the opportunity to call uh, development football at uh, with AFL Queensland, uh, women's state women's football, state men's football, VFL football, and um, and and lucky enough uh, the AFL football. Um, and I think the exciting part for me was to have the opportunity to call Gold Coast Suns and see some of the guys that I'd seen through the VFL, um, you know, come through and and assess some of the form that they've been in. Um, I guess uh, for me, my my favourite call was, uh, which got a got a fair pump up across the socials, was an accidental call. Um, Boyd Woodcock took a spectacular mark in the goal square for Southport. I think it was against Sydney. Um, for me, uh, at that time, I kind of went I went a little bit bananas, um, but I had no idea what actually happened. So I just I rose with the occasion. Then when I saw Boyd on the ground, I was like. Oh, that's Boyd Woodcock. He's actually marked that. So um, I remember getting a little bit excited, but I, in that in that frame of mind, I actually had no idea what um, what had happened. But it did get a good run through the socials, and it was uh, it was pretty exciting. Um, bit 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 more than the socials too, Yandy. When it went at one mark of the week on the bounce. I know. <laughs> you know it went absolutely crazy. And, and, and truth be told, I literally in that moment, and you know yourself with a call, there's things where. You don't quite know, but you just try and make it sound exciting, hoping it's exciting, and then if you it just go with the first thing, the first yeah. thing you think of, you just go with. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it's as simple as that. If, if you try and if you try and create something, that's when it doesn't sound real. You've just got to go go with your just just roll with it, basically. Exactly. Well, in, and in my defence, in that situation, it was, I was hundred metres away, and it was pretty dark. So <laughs> for me, that was that was a, that was pretty cool. Um, Calling uh, calling game off the back of a U over at Morton Bay was pretty special. Um, I really enjoyed that. That was uh, it was pretty exciting. And also another highlight is I had the opportunity to call two premiers last year. The one AFL game that I called was Geelong beating Gold Coast, but I also called Casey's only loss of the season uh, against uh, for the year, and that was uh, over at Morton Bay. So I thought that was a pretty um, Pretty awesome highlight, uh, just for me personally. You can certainly claim those, and that that uh, that AFL game puts it doesn't matter. I, I'd trade my seventy eight for one. Uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting a long, long time, and and you've you've got that in your bank, and no one can ever take it away from you. And yeah, hope hopefully hopefully that uh, that time comes for me soon, and hopefully you get many more, and, and we're doing an AFL game. To- All right, round one is officially dropped for the VFL and for VFLW, thanks to our friends at Smithies. Um, let's quickly go through, with, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but let's quickly go through what, uh, what we've got for the VFL to start round one. Oh, and it, and it really is a, a blockbuster start to the season. Friday night football to kick it off. Uh, really looking forward to that one. Icon Park uh, at 7.05 on Friday, the 24th of March. Carlton versus Geelong. Um, should be an absolute cracker. Carlton, of course, made the semifinals last year. Geelong uh, dropped out of the finals in 2022 after being in the top eight uh, in that short in 2021. They'll be keen to bounce back. Uh, but, yeah, the, so the Blues and the Cats, Friday night football, uh, can't wait for that. And then it's a, and then it's a smorgasbord in Queensland. 
uh, for you on on the Saturday. And unfortunately, they all overlap, which is a mm. which is a bit of a shame. But three games on the Saturday afternoon in Queensland for our for our northern fans, the Brisbane Lions uh, playing their first ever game at Brighton Homes Arena when they take on Werribee. And Werribee actually travelled to Queensland pretty well last year and were and were competitive against. I think they lost to Gold Coast by four points. They lost to Brisbane by fifteen or something like that. And and they underachieved last year. Uh, Sandringham had a terrific start to the year last season. They play Southport uh, at Fankhauser Reserve, and the one in the middle is is Williamstown taking on the Gold Coast at the Oswald Centre Oval. Um, we certainly expect Williamstown to to charge up the ladder. I know they finished 20th last year, but they have recruited out of sight. They have lost some quality, but I certainly expect them to be much, much more competitive this year. So they are, they are three terrific games of football uh, up in Queensland on the Saturday of round one. Uh, Casey Demons will unfurl the flag at, uh, at Casey Fields at two o'clock on the Saturday afternoon. They're playing Footscray, who was undefeated the year before. And they're another team who I would be surprised if they didn't bounce back in some way, shape or form. Uh, we, we need to touch on uh, Collingwood Place, Coburg at Victoria Park. Uh, an interesting one that North Melbourne versus Port Melbourne at Arden Street is the other Saturday game. And, and then on Sunday, um, Sydney versus Box Hill at, uh, at Tramway Oval, uh, which is just outside the SCG. They'll, they'll still be pushing and hopefully be able to move that game inside, but we'll see what happens there. Richmond versus the Northern Bull Ants at the Swinburne Centre and Essendon versus GWS will be only the second VFL game played at the NEC Hangar. So, uh, yeah, a big round one of action and, and yeah, basically uh, 10 games right there with Frankston having the bye, 10 games where you would think there's probably at least seven where then where there are going to be no clear favourites. Absolutely, I'll, I'll go through the VFLW round one fixtures. We've got Darabin v Southern Saints, Carlton v Port Melbourne, Geelong v North, and Collingwood v Williamstown, which is uh, which is the second game of a double header at Victoria Park. And on Sunday, Essendon v Box Hill at the other hangar will be the curtain raiser to the VFL men's comp. And uh, Western Bulldogs v Casey Demons. I will, I will say, sorry, mate. I will say that that's out in Ballarat too. So oh, at, at Mars Stadium, the Bulldogs and Casey. So a, a good opportunity early on for uh, for our country fans to to go and enjoy um, VFLW football out in Ballarat. Absolutely, Roti. Thanks so much for jumping on board. Thanks for everyone for uh, jumping on board. Check out the socials. Uh, we're going to be making sure that we help boost and promote the VFL 23 and uh, mate as always uh, we're, we're looking forward to doing some wonderful work with you across season 2023 can't wait for it all thanks very much mate catch you next week